connects and bring you into other groups? I have the great fortune of living in Birmingham. Even though I was born and raised in Nashville. And Birmingham gave us a gift. It packaged it for us. Um, Birmingham was the most scary place for black people to go to for generations before my time. Um, when I moved there, uh, my wife's family, I found out later, offered her a cash reward to take her and her baby back to Tennessee. Because <laughs> <laughs> what black man in the right mind was moving his family to Birmingham, Alabama? Uh, we think about Ray Lyon. <laughs> <laughs> they, they use the right question. Um, um, oh, but what the gift of Birmingham was that uh, city, industrial working class city, is that of all the preachers it produced, it produced a Fred Shuttlesworth, a steel worker, carpenter, uh, industrial worker, like I said, who was called to preach. And he preached from the streets and the mills. His church was a working class church. And when it was born in the shadows of a uh, coke plant in, uh, in North Birmingham. Anyway, in 1950s, I guess it was 57, or 56, 56 uh, he started a movement. Because it was a year before SCLC was started. And it was called, the, and this is his gift, he named it. The Alabama, it's the Bible Belt, Christian Movement for Human Rights. So I couch all my responses to this get off my turf that we are inheritors, rightfully, of the Alabama, even my Jewish friends, Christian Movement for Human Rights. Uh, and what part of human don't you understand? The African American community, we don't know unless you read Jet Magazine was we had black soldiers. We had a POW camp in Anniston where the German soldiers, prisoners, had more freedom than the black soldiers. They actually ate dinner with the white officers in a room that black soldiers could not enter. Uh, we had, the, at leading the Selma March, Mr. James Armstrong, who's dead now, a World War II veteran, always led that march with his American flag. Uh, so when the United Nations was formed, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was treated in black churches. I'm how many white churches in Alabama celebrated the Universal Declaration of Human Rights? Right? It was celebrated like a sermon in black churches. Like, the world is listening to us after World War II and stuff. So when Fred created that, uh, the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights, it was done with that global human rights formation in the back of his mind and in front of other people's minds. So I start from a human rights perspective. Now, if you want to talk about the civil rights movement, you read the history, they don't call it civil rights movement in real time. They call it the movement. <laughs> the movement. The, the, the press labeled it because the legal victories you won, like you know, notches along the way, mile markers, uh, civil rights bill of 64, mile marker. Voting rights bill of 65, mile marker. And so the, the goal is human rights. The increments are, are, are is, is where it can be, is civil, is civil law, right, or a thing. So I think don't get the mile marker confused with your destination, <laughs> you know. I think an important, if I can piggyback, an important thing that you're highlighting is 
this is that it was going to really pass and go into effect because it was so crazy. And so immediately in the crisis, you know, we were having to build a ship in the middle of, you know, the hugest hurricane storm. And there were a lot of different questions around strategy. And, um, and some people early on um, said, you know, um, capacity-wise, they're like, we don't, we're not, you know, we don't have the capacity, we don't have organizers, uh, the immigrant community is not organized, uh, the, the majority Tea Party, extreme Republican, supermajority legislature is not going to listen to undocumented immigrants, they're going to listen to business leaders, they're going to listen to faith leaders, and they're going to listen to farmers. And so they said, some people in our coalition um, said, we should just not even focus on organizing the immigrant community. And, and, you know, and that was a hard question because of the crisis that we're in and the level of um, lack of capacity and infrastructure that existed in the state. Um, and, um, but there were some of us who said, hell no, that's not how we're going to do it. It's like, you, it's not, we can do that. But, that we're, but we cannot ignore in the immigrant community and support them to step up and be the leaders of this movement um, because we're, it will not sustain, it will not last. And, and, um, and so we started really um, putting energy, even though there wasn't a shared agreement about that, we had the support of folks like Greater Birmingham Ministries because they understood organizing. Um, and. Um, but there wasn't a shared strategy, and so some of, we just had to start doing that work, you know. And we had to get support from some <laughs> folks from outside who understood the importance of organizing and leadership from the grassroots. And um, and what we were able to do because of that is we were able to do both strategies, right? But we have a movement that sustains, and so because we invested deeply, deeply in and um, organizing and getting out there and identifying leaders from the grassroots who were directly affected to um, lead this movement, putting decisions in their hands. Those folks and an intensive amount of leadership development, giving them every opportunity to be trained, to learn how to, to organize their communities, to speak for themselves out there, um, then they were able to help us also use that other strategy of, you know, finding you know, talking to their bosses who might be a farmer or a cons or a owner of a hotel or whoever, finding those people to get in there and talk and the faith leaders to get in there and talk um, and the farmers. Um, but, uh, you know, what we have because we didn't just focus on that inside strategy, which was what there was some question about of just being like, let's just get in there and wheel and deal. Um, and even some of our folks thought at certain points that the immigrant community was getting in the way of their wheeling and dealing, and later realized that actually now they have power to wheel and deal because the community's out right. there mobilizing and pushing, and in the state legislature, in the building, every single day in the state capitol, that now those, those people who want to wheel and deal have some actual power behind them. You know, that, that came from the community being organized. And now, four years later, we still have a movement of folks that are fighting like hell every single, you know, that are, and are committed. Our members travel, we have a monthly in-person meeting. And people will travel between six hours. So the trip we did today, people will do that 
and they'll go and then they'll go home and they'll bring their children, they'll be in a meeting for four hours and then they'll drive home, right? They do that every single month and then more because they do that for trainings. We have calls every week. People are committed in a way that's different than the grass tops. The grass tops are not committed for the long haul. They're there for their own self-interest in a very temporary way. But if we want to build long haul movements that are about transforming the state and the power, there has to be leadership from the grassroots moving that work. And those folks can work with the grass tops to help utilize them, but it, I just don't believe it can only be a grass top strategy in Alabama. I, or anywhere. I mean, I agree 100% with that. My point was the grassroots activity, though, doesn't always have to be a protest in front of the Capitol. But the grassroots activity is, is absolutely key in doing both. So I'm going to do time check. Uh, 